0: And now Horn. Stewart wants it. And looks <laughs> for Emma It's a grand old team to play for. It's a grand old team to support. And it, you know your history, it's enough to make your heart go good. Hello and welcome back to the Grand Old Team podcast, I'm Adam Partington and today I'm with Jim Kehogan, author of Everton's Greatest Games, the Toffees' Finest 50 Matches. Jim, nice to speak to you again.
1: Hiya. You yeah. okay? Yeah, good
0: thanks, you? Yeah, I sounded like I caught you off guard then, a little bit. <laughs> sorry, yeah, sorry. It, it was a surprised hire. Did you think that I was like, going to go on for a little bit longer than that? I yeah, I
1: thought so,
0: yeah, a little bit, yeah. I should have... Uh, giving you a a bit of a heads up. Mate, I've just read a a, a brilliant tweet on on Twitter. Not at me, it's just a a tweet that someone's put. It's by a guy called... D. A. Hughes, ninety-two, and he said Everton are so shite that our office was broken into through the night. Uh, They took valuables but left my Leon ticket on the desk. Seriously, so (laughs) if if that's true, then I think that that's a good place to start, isn't it, with the uh, the podcast this week? So obviously, you know, we are going to talk about your book, which I'm I'm really excited about. As you know, I'm a massive fan um, of the last one you wrote, Everton in the nineties, the highs, lows, and backyoko. So uh, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to, to getting stuck into your new one. I think that'll be a Christmas present from uh, from Molly, I think. Um, but before that, let's just quickly talk about Everton. Cause, you know, obviously with yourself being a big Evertonian, you must be pulling your hair out at the moment. Are you in the uh, the cumin outer group yet, or are you a cumin inner? Where do you stand?
1: Well, I mean, I think until recently, I I, I thought you know, given the benefits, especially after um, you know, a decent season last um, last season. But uh, I think the the last two games have been particularly worrying. I went to the, to the Brighton game on Sunday, and um, it's it's uh, I think Everton are quite dispiriting to watch. They're they're so stodgy, and you don't see a, a goal coming from anywhere really from open play. Um, and you get the impression that Cumin uh, doesn't know what to do. You do think, you? It, yeah, I, it, I mean the the team selections look odd. The the shape looks weird. Um, I mean, this is very much his team. He, you know, he, he's been at, at, at Goodison for a while now, and he's put in the place he wants. And um, you, you'd have to look at the game on Sunday and think we don't look better than when he took over. So yeah. in that case, he's had what, uh, what, 13, 14 months to kind of work on this project, and uh, there's no tangible sign of um, improvement. And if anything, we've, you know, we've lost players who were doing a good job and other players who were doing a decent job have deteriorated so you know it's um it's worrying times and i think the last two games were the games we thought we, that we should pick up you know possibly six points uh, and we haven't and if, it, if this continues i mean at some point they're gonna have to act um i, you know, I don't think it'd be a massive surprise now if you if he if didn't last and, uh, until, the, until the end of the month
0: well, see, it's strange because I did something for five live at the weekend—a pre-recorded thing on kuman's future. Um, and I was listening back to it, obviously, because I I missed it when it was on the radio today. I just caught up and thought, oh, you know, how how long have they actually given me? I got about twenty seconds, so it's better than nothing. Uh, but uh, they 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 were speaking to this Dutch journalist who knows kuman really well, and he and he was saying Ronald is the type of fella where he'll stick this out. He won't leave. So anybody who's got this idea that he might walk away, or he's trying to be sacked. From what this fellow was saying, who who's apparently this Dutch journalist who's known him for years and speaks to him quite frequently, was actually speaking to him last week. Apparently, it doesn't seem like he's going to go anywhere. So Everton will have to sack him um, if that if that happens. But you mentioned there, Jim. You said about it being I think you used the word dispirited. You know, watching Everton at the moment, you know, it crushes your soul. And and I agree a little bit. But I've seen people saying this is the worst Everton I've been. I've never felt so depressed about Everton. Is that a little bit of a lack of maybe clarity or or for, a bit of forgetfulness on their part in terms of some of the you know, the the situations we've been in more recently with Martinez, Walker, Smith down the years. Do you reckon it's a bit unfair to say this is the worst you've seen Everton?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think so. sometimes time can be kind uh, to imagine or, you know, it passes and you forget how bad things were. I mean, I've seen quite a few people on Twitter, and you know, a bit of a, a Martinez revisionism. Yeah, I think you, you forget, you know, before he was sacked, we were absolute shite. And, um, you know, <laughs> I can't imagine there were many fans who wanted him to stay. Yeah, and when you think back over the years, um, you think back to um, Walker and uh, Walter Smith. I mean, it's you know we've had, we, and I suppose Kendall in '98, we've had some absolutely dire sides, and I don't think this side is certainly poor, but I don't think it's necessarily because we've got poor players. I think there are, you know, when you watch it on, on um, the game on Sunday, there are certain players that it was certainly quality, mm. and there's not talent there to be better. I think the moment is just um, it's it's the uh, Cummins not getting. Not out of them, and you've got a, set, a bit of a kind of um, players in wrong positions or players who perhaps shouldn't be starting. You're constantly on the team sheet. I think, I mean, Everton could do better than this. There's, there's quality there, and it's um, yeah. It's, no, it's certainly not the worst side I've ever seen. I've seen much worse than this.
0: Yeah, do you, can you draw any parallels though with um, other times that we can maybe look at and then take a little bit of uh, confidence from? where we've been down a similar hole and got ourselves out of it?
1: Well, I suppose, um, I mean, the most obvious one that comes to mind would be uh, 94, when we had, you know, when Walker was in charge, it was it 94, 95? And that, that that team looked, you know, I mean, it, it did look awful. Um, and then, with a different manager, it put together a top six form and, and won a trophy. So, you know, you, I think with a, a different approach, the players there today could do a lot better. I don't think it's a case of we need our transfer window being terrible. I don't think it's a case that we need massive um, upheaval. Um, again, I think at the moment it's just um, we haven't got the right people on the pitch, and I don't think we've got a manager who knows his best team. And um, I, it, to me, it looks like he's struggling. I think he had maybe had something in mind over the summer, a way of playing and an approach. Uh, to, to the season and he hasn't got the personnel to do that he doesn't know what to do right? yeah. I mean I think um you know uh, putting Rooney up front on a Sunday just you know st- stuff like that it's um it just it looks like someone who's just desperately trying different things that actually just aren't working at all it, it, we, we don't see coherent at the moment and it's um it's, it's, it's troubling
0: yeah, I, uh, I've been to the, uh, you know, obviously go to the match with my old man and that, and we, we were saying, um, we were saying about how you know we're looking back to before the Stoke game and we were walking along down to the ground as you do having a chat, and we were saying. I was saying, well, you know, it might not be that much of a big issue that we've lost Lukaku because hopefully, you know, we'll fill the goals in in other places. And I was I was being very optimistic. It's hilarious now and, you know, it's yeah. funny to say it. But I was like, you know, I expect Rooney. But there's no reason why Rooney can't get 15. There's no reason why Davy Classen can't get 10. Sandro yeah. get 10. Uh, and there, there you go. Just there you've made up Lukaku's goals almost. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, uh, You know, if you're in the league, definitely. But spread them out as well. And, you know, I was saying Morgan will maybe get one or two. Snyder will get one or two. Um, uh, and then, you know, you, you, I started to... Dominic Calvert Lewin will get a few. And do you know what I mean? And it was like, oh, well, we'll, we'll make up those goals. And Sigurdsson, at the time, we said Sigurdsson will come in. You know, he'll get us maybe 10. And then uh, we were also thinking at that point, remember, we're going to get another centre-forward. So I was like, we'll be fine. And obviously those things haven't happened. But I wonder whether Koeman... You know, maybe banked on that a little bit as well in terms of sharing the goals around, and uh, you know he did say, didn't he? Oh, we were too f- we we were too focused on, or we were t- you know we we too dependent on Romelu Lukaku. Now he's gone. You know we're going to change the way we play, and yeah. and obviously he's done that, um, but as you said, it, it, it hasn't worked, and now he's kind of stuck in a rut a little bit because he's got the personnel for this system that isn't working. I mean, you know, we could talk all day about the players that potentially he's playing out of position, but do you yeah. see what I mean? So he tried to change, he thought and he said, I'll go down this road, and now it's too late, but now we're in the middle of the season, and, and as you say, maybe he doesn't have the right ideas to get us out of this mess. Um, you know, What do you, just, uh, Jim, are you if, if okay, so we we accept then that you are probably now falling towards the side of out you wouldn't be surprised if he left what are yeah. your thoughts I just just quickly before we move into your book what are your thoughts about David Unsworth
1: i I don't think it's the right time I mean I know he's done um great work um with the um 23s and I, I know he's uh, he, he came in in that one game and we played well but I, I think there's a there's a danger that I mean, if you if you're changing managers at this point in the season and there's clearly something wrong with the club and you the, the team's in trouble I think to go to somebody with no experience in the top flight or kind of or any top flight would be a massive risk. It could backfire horribly. I mean, if he comes in and the job's too big for him, and we keep losing games, then we're going to get sucked into a uh, you know a, a particularly unpleasant dogfight in the end. I think if Cumin is sacked, Everton need to make a, a strong statement with the next appointment and, and put a, a, another competent man or supposedly competent manager. In. I don't think at the moment, I I think Lundqvist would be a hugely risky appointment. Mm. But,
0: given what he's done with the under-21s, and the way that he's moulded players, quite a few of those players won the World Cup with England at that level, do you think, though, that he may have the credentials to do it? So, you're not saying, you're saying it would be a gamble, but you accept that, you know, it could go right
1: as well. Yeah, I mean, it could work. It's just, you know, do you do you gamble with your club like that? Mm-hmm. I think it's um, you know if if there was like a, f- a few months of season left and everything was safe and for some reason the managerial change, you think well maybe then. But I think if you know if if we're talking about come and go, then obviously it's within the next say month or so. If he went, that'd be because we've lost the next few games. By which point we could be in the bottom three. Do you then go and give a uh, rookie boss the job to try and? Um, to take over a team bereft of confidence who are you know clearly struggling uh, and say well go and save us i think it's you know even if he even with all his, his talent that's a that, that's a lot of pressure to put on somebody for their first
0: um yeah,
1: you're right. mask up. and it's um and it could you know it could negatively affect him and it really affect everyone as well i think i'd rather just have somebody put in charge who is competent and experienced to um i mean I, i'd like an appointment who come in and and, and build something? I, I never got the sense that Cummins was going to come in and be there for the long term. I I I'd, I'd, like I'd like to see somebody who you could be here for like ten years, somebody who who really wants the Everton job properly, not as a stepping stone to think but somebody who who you know wants to kind of forge a club in his own image. Mm. Um, and I think yeah, I mean maybe in the long term that could be honest but at the moment I just think that step up is too too big a step to take when when you have a club in crisis.
0: No, I, I agree. I agree. We we could go on about this forever, <laughs> yeah. but we won't because I've got you on to talk about your book. Um, as I said at the start of the uh, the start of the show, it's um, Everton's greatest games, the Toffees' finest fifty matches. So, what what inspired you to write this at this point, then, Jim?
1: Yeah, well, I was approached to write. I was doing the um, the Highs and of for my publisher, and they do this series, and they said. Um, is this something that you'd be interested in? And I, I jumped at the chance really because it was a great way to really delve into the club's history. Because I think as a fan, you're often you, you kind of knowledge of the club is shaped by your age. You kind of yeah. it, it's, it's the games that you go to. You, you you kind of know. Like I'm in my 40s, and so I was kind of aware of games in the 70s and the 60s, but not 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 too much. I was mainly kind of 80s and 90s and that kind of stuff. And um it was great to kind of get like right into the history of the club and, you know, not just look at kind of the, the, the obvious things like Dixie Dean and that kind of stuff, but kind of look at kind of early uh, terrorist heroes and early triumphs or near misses and really get a kind of a massive sweep of um, the club's history, but told through not just kind of a, a straightforward narrative, like sort of everything's history, but punctuated by these moments of, of high emotion, like lead title wins and, yeah, you know, just, just often, just great, just just great games on their own merits as well.
0: So, um, who who did you speak to them for? I know you you spoke to, to me, and I assume quite a few other fans, uh, people who write and who, who comment on that. But were there any kind of big names that you went and spoke to players that played in those games? How did that go?
1: Yeah, I mean, I talked to. I think um, you know, obviously, you can't you can't go back too far because the, the players aren't around anymore. But I think I got, I got back as far as uh, I think the eighty sixties. Talked to uh, Derek Temple. Um, I talked to a few from the 70s uh, as well, uh, Martin Dobson, um, oh, yeah. the 80s, uh, got, um, Andy Gray, uh, Graham Sharp, Sheedy, there's quite a few from the 90s, um, that I, re- I went back to for my previous books like Cotty, um, uh, yeah, uh, South or people like that, uh, and a few of the managers too, got to talk to Joe Royal, and um and uh, I had a really enjoyable chat with uh, Roberto Martinez as well for uh, kind of the, the more modern era.
0: Fancy that! Fancy that! So, who who um, did you enjoy speaking to the most then? Like out of everybody, because you've bit lifted some massive names
1: there. Yeah, um, actually Martinez. I, uh, <laughs> I knew that was it, coming. It, it, it was such a weird conversation because it wasn't it wasn't too long after the sacking, and okay. so I was kind of I, in my in my mind, I was still kind of quite angry at him because of what he'd done to the club and. I didn't think he was that good, and yet I talked to him for about half an hour, and it's it's just it's Martinez. He was just like you know, really positive and and you know just great to talk to. And I think, I think it was Aiden McGee who said like he's, he's got a bit of like a Jedi thing going on, and if he gets he gets into your head. And so after the phone call, I came off just thinking he was just the best thing ever. I mean, It lasted <laughs> about two hours. It wouldn't, it didn't dissipate for ages. And after a while, I thought actually no, he, he was shit. Mm-hmm. But it took so long, and he was, um, he, like, i I come off the phone convinced that he had transformed our club for the better, and he had built this fantastic system and we'd been wonderful. And it's, um, I think you realized you know, why you hung around so long, because he's infectious. He's so yeah. positive. He's so great at, um, I suppose, kind of building his own brand and, and getting you to buy into it. But um, even though we kind of hoodwinked me slightly, it was just an enjoyable half hour, just to kind of talk to somebody who'd been, also, you know, recently involved with the club uh, as well. But I find, and also to get his take on what happens. I was going to say,
0: because... I mean, yeah, of course, mate. That, that, dis- that was going to be my next question. So you spoke to him, obviously, shortly after he was sacked. Fresh in his yeah. mind. Fresh in your mind. I remember um, thinking at the time, so I'm going to take this opportunity now. I remember thinking, like, driving along, thinking, oh, the autobiographies of the players that are around now, at the back end of Martinez's time, when it was dragging out and things were going wrong, I was thinking, oh, I'm going to really enjoy reading John Stones' autobiography in, in a decade's time, yeah. you know, about that about that period. So, what did he say? What did Martinez
1: say? I think you get the impression that he just, he almost sees that as an unqualified success. <laughs> I mean, I would, I mean I maybe that's just the man. I mean, all he, all he saw was the, you know, say that last season, all he yeah. saw was the the two semi-finals um, uh, and the progression of players like um, uh, Barkley and Stone and also you made reference to the youth setup about how that was encouraged. So, the I mean the the horrible defeats and the terrible terrible performances and the kind of disappointing league finish that didn't really enter into the conversation. It was just focused. He, he saw Everton progressing. He saw a style of football, approach the game, and kind of. Uh, an investment in youth and um, the possibility of silverware, which you know, I think he was very. I think he was brought in for, and he said, you know, the club was getting close. I think he felt that, um, you know, with another season, he would kind of get to grips with the problems the club had and, and move further. I don't think he felt that the sacking was uh, warranted. Really? that's just my take. I mean, you know, I, I, again, he's so. Endlessly positive that it's um, it's just the way it is and it's yeah, um, yeah it was I, you know his his take on the, on those final what four months I think very different to most of his tone most of his tone you know it was hell by the end he just wanted them gone but I think he felt that you know with a, a bit more luck and a bit more money um, and another win there, he could have um, he could have made some magic it was, it was it's, it's very strange
0: Jim. Uh- do you think with Martinez, it's his actual personality is charisma, or do you think it's something that he's worked on then? Do you think he's read a few of them, like, self-help books that you get in the <laughs> works for, like, 3 yeah. 99 now? Do you know what I mean? Or or is it actually just something built in him, or do you not I think, know?
1: I, I, it's hard to tell from just a, a like a quick conversation, like a half hour conversation with him, but I think he is just genuinely positive. I think... Um, I think I was saying to somebody recently. He's the kind of person who it wouldn't surprise me if, if like, he won the World Cup. Mm. He's that kind of manager. I think he, he I think he, he's very positive, and I think he has got it in him to do something good, something impressive. And I, I mean, you know, a cup run is. I mean, he's done it before, hasn't he? I think he's. Um, I think. In the, with the right players you could do some good stuff I think in, probably international football suits him because you can't just get the best players I think problem with, with Martinez is that the reality of league football maybe kind of grinds against this positive outlook and, and I think he's maybe he's not suited to that I don't know but he's um, yeah I think he genuinely believes I think he says I think he really thought he'd bring Champions League football to everyone really th- I, th- I honestly think he thought that we were making solid progress on the pitch and that it, you know he, there's no reason why you shouldn't have be been Everton manager uh, in the following season. How strange! And uh, what about in
0: terms of like some of the more Everton legends? That well, not the more Everton. Some of the Everton legends that you know, you mentioned people like Southall, um, you know, uh, people like that, Sharpie, etc. Did you speak to Reedy? Was was he was he in this? And I think
1: I didn't get me. I mean, I, I, that was unfortunate because he was my hero when I was um, younger. I think him. I got Sheedy. He was. Uh, it was uh, good to talk to uh, Cotty. Was he, he's always good.
0: Who else was that?
1: So um, out of so those, got... out of those lads,
0: then you know, did anybody kind of stand out when you were chatting to them?
1: Um, Andy Gray was good. Okay. Yeah, he was. Um, again, it was good to get his take on you know that kind of uh, that um, that period. Uh, I think also Joe Rowe was good too because Joe Rowe spans. You know, mm. to, you know, both as a player uh, and uh, also as a um, manager. So you get a very different take on, on the Everton experience. So, so um, you know, and also he experienced, you know, as a player, he experienced Everton's decline. And then as a manager, Everton's resurgence. And then it's decline again. So he's really got the full Everton experience, I think. So he, he was quite good value.
0: So in terms of just to, what elements of actually writing the book did you enjoy the most then mate was it putting pen to paper or was it doing those interviews uh or was it chatting to like fans and stuff because you know you, you've spoken about the, the pros and that then and the people that are involved but getting that fan perspective was was that an element that you really enjoyed
1: yeah i i, I always enjoy that i think you you know you there's only, there's only so much you can get from like match reports and like the pros can sometimes be a bit guarded about the um Their um, experiences, but the fans give you—you know—they tell you exactly how it felt. So if a game, I mean, if you're looking for the emotional impact of a game, I think the the fans are your first call. I think because they—they really understand it. So there was kind of there was a game we covered. I covered it was a a derby in the early 80s, which we won. uh, I think it was 2-1, cup cup derby. And if you look at it, if you if you just look at it through the start, it doesn't seem like a big deal. But uh, I interview people from uh, when skies are grey and they kind of really, it, it, was, it was a tough time for Everton. You know, I think it was the, the tail end of maybe the Gordon Lear and I think um, we really struggled and really living under little shadow. And so you 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 get a, an appreciation of why a win like that matters so much. You'd be like, you know, probably winning now. Um, and uh, maybe you, you don't get that so much from the players. I think th- these games mean more to the fans.
0: What in in your opinion actually makes it a good game? Then, because I was thinking about this, I assume you've included games where we've drawn, or even or even lost, like cup games of the you know second leg that we've lost or whatever. Um, yeah. Like the Fiorentina one, for example. That that'd be yeah. one that springs to mind. So, what what actually makes a good game, or or what makes a game worthy of appearing in a book about good games? Uh,
1: that's, that's an interesting question because it does vary. Because I mean. There are certain games where you've you've almost got to include them. So like when a title's won, when a cup's won, um, and they're all in there. Um, but there are kind of some, sometimes they're just weird games. where you are thinking like uh, yeah, like uh, defeats or or games where uh, uh, relegation dogfights. I mean, yeah, I, I had to include Coventry and Wimbledon. I mean, technically they're like they're horrible games, aren't they? Because
0: yeah.
1: everything's gone to shit. But, you, you know, for, for, as a fan, if you were there, or even if you're listening from uh, home, it's just an amazing um, afternoon. You think yeah, of Wimbledon.
0: Like, I suppose it's like saying, like, you know, talking about the greatest days of your lives and then saying, oh, that day that I had a near-death experience was just the <laughs> yeah, best day ever.
1: Yeah, yeah but, it, I mean, you think of Wimbledon, I mean... You know that's one of the worst occasions in Everton's history. I mean, you know, the, the, about 20 minutes into that game to be two down, I don't think I've ever felt that bad at uh, football. And yeah, by the end, you've recovered and the safe and and you know, no cups won. You haven't won the league. All you've done is survive for another season. But it's um emotionally speaking, it's it's hard to top, just to kind of t- for what you feel in those moments. So. Yeah, it's not just about trophies. I mean, sometimes it's just games that are just good. There's, there's like cup games from the 30s where everyone just scored the same number of goals. And thinking, you know, that, that's a, just, as, you know, as a punter, and you're seeing something different. So it's, um, there's all sorts in there. There's, you know, even the, so there was one game, which, I, didn't, I wasn't sure where to put it in, it was the, the Battle of Goodison in the, um, in the 60s where um, the game got stopped after about 20 minutes because the, the, uh, the players were fighting and the fans were fighting and, and it's a weird game. Like, what, not, what not necessarily game? When was great. that sorry when was that Jim? I think, I think it's I think it was 64 I think it was. It okay. was um, yeah, I think uh, we were playing Leeds and I think they'd come for them um, to do business and um, I think I think it was Derek Temple got carted off after being Polax by somebody and then it, all hell broke loose, and it was the first time in English football that um, that uh, that two sides had been marched off uh, the pitch by the ref. And then um, he was going to cancel the game. I think I think it was uh, um, a and Davy um, uh, said, you know, if you cancel this game, it's going to be a bloody riot. So they went out again, finished the game, Everton lost, but. The kind of tackles were still flying in. I think there was um, the, the pitch was covered in loose change, and the lead keeper was constantly getting belted by coins. So, like, not not a nice game or a game, <laughs> but certainly like something memorable, yeah. unusual. So it's you know it, it, it's it's stuff like that. It's it, it's a it's a proper mixed bag. Um, See, because
0: when when I looked at the title, I thought, uh, is this like the greatest games in terms of you know the if you so yeah. Here's another question that's kind of a double question. Did you um. Did you rank the game? So, have you got like number one being like I don't know? Uh, do you know what I mean? Or yeah. or is are they ranked in order? Or are they just fifty games in no particular order? What how does no, it work?
1: I tried to do I tried to do um, like a n- not just make it just fifty random games. I tried to make it also um, kind of illustrate Everton's history. So it's 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 done chronologically, but like almost like a narrative. So okay. You start with, say, um, I think there was a. It starts with the, a cook game against Bolton where the Everton start making a name for themselves for the first time. And then you go into. Ah.
0: Like, uh, so it's like a story it, of Everton almost as yeah, well. Yeah. Right.
1: So, like, the first title win, the first derby, first game of Goodison. Uh, and it, go, it goes through that and it just. And then it, just it kind of picks. Um, Certain points to kind of you know sometimes to illustrate an era, but up, some, some, sometimes you just you just got to have a game in because it's good. So like there was a game in, in the six four cup game in the thirties that's just in there because it was just an insane game where like nobody knew what the scoreline was going to be. It was just goals going in left, right, and centre, and that that went in. But it's um, it kind of it. Aside from just showing these games, hopefully, it illustrates you know gives you that handle on on the club's long history because it is quite a remarkable history. You know. Oh, it's,
0: absolutely. I mean, we're very we're, you know we're very proud of it and, and rightly so. Um, yeah, I mean,
1: this I mean you know very few clubs can um, you know enjoy such a history. I mean, you know, I think if you look at kind of um, I covered the first the first league game, you think of the, like the, the twelve clubs you made up the first you know the first first division most of them have had like, you know, crap history since then. they barely won anything, but Everton constantly kind of hanging around and punctuating it with periods of of, of success. And that's quite unusual in English football. Yeah, I think so.
0: So you, you mentioned earlier on at the, the start of the conversation, you know, you, you were talking about how your Everton experience and in fact I'd argue the way that you that you view Everton's from a psychological perspective so And what I mean by that is, um, this is all defined by your age. So, for example, here's a great example, in fact. On the train, on the way to Liverpool, uh, first game of the season again, I think it was. And we were talking about Diego Costa. And I was saying, there's no way Everton could sign Diego Costa. You remember when then rumours were floating around? And I was like, there's no way, there's just no way he won't sign. And my dad was like, why not? Why can't we go and get Diego Costa? And I thought, as he was saying, I thought, this is reflective of our experiences of Everton. My old man, you know, it was founded similar to yours, obviously a bit bit older, but, um, you know, 70s, 80s, saw that success... I haven't, so maybe it makes. And then this generation now, I, I don't know what they're, they're going to be weird because they, they yeah. you know, they've seen some good players, but have seen no success. We saw Otter, t- in the night being a nineties kid, as you, as you, you know, explained really well in your book. Saw some of the word stuff. So, yes. so, I, so as as we've said, you know that, that your, your Everton experience is obviously built around where the games that you've witnessed. But what games from my era, which um, you know, is probably. From when did I, I? always say like I can't quite remember the FA Cup final. Like, I don't remember it clearly enough. Anything from '96 on, I start to remember when it comes right. to Everton. So, what games have you picked out from from that era up until the present day?
1: Um, I suppose after the Cup final, you've got um Coventry '98. Um, right. Yeah. You've got uh, the uh, the Kevin Campbell derby towards okay. the nineties. Um, the Andy Johnson derby is in there. Um, Fiorentina uh, beating United in the semi. Um, yeah. Now that's uh,
0: see now that there you go. There's a that's a fantastic example. I was waiting for you to get to something where the games you said before that were all really good games as well. If I remember rightly, um, yeah. Maybe the Kevin Campbell Derby was probably just dead scrappy. I can't quite remember it. I However, a, yeah. you you what? Sorry.
1: It was, I mean, I that was a horrible game, yeah.
0: Yeah, however, the United semi-final was a nil-nil draw and we got through on penalties, but that's one of my fondest ever memories. Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes my subconscious like brain uh, tricks myself into thinking that we won a trophy that day it <laughs> felt like it. I don't yeah. know about you, but it felt like it. I remember being outside of Wembley and everyone hugging and the sun was shining and, you yeah. know, everyone was just going wild. And then
1: we were like, oh no, we've got to come back and play Chelsea. We <laughs> win, yeah. But it's context, isn't it? That's the point. I mean, by, by Everton standards at that time, that is a massive achievement. So is qualifying for the Champions League. Mm-hmm. And it's, um, I think that, that that's what I found interesting, the how, how much context change. Because you would, you know, in, in the in the middle of the 80s, you wouldn't include just just reaching a final as being a great game. But by the time we get to the Moyes era, when we've been through the horror of the 90s and and Walter Smith, and we've recovered, just getting to Wembley is a big deal. And that's, you know, I think Everton's, what kind of, how you define, not just success, but how you define what we can do and what much achieve and what is a great game alters over but it altered over the past 20 years. And so you have to, you know, you include a different sort of games.
0: I think you're right, you know, and I think that speaks to the reaction and, and how, how uh, up and down our emotions seem to be as Evertonians now. We're a bipolar fan base. Now, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, everybody is to because of social media, but we really are. In the summer, we were talking like we were going to break into the top four. And now we're talking about relegation. And I think this probably speaks to the fact that we've been starved for so long. And and this is what I mean. Like, you know, my mate's a Leeds fan at work and he goes like, you want to be Leeds? And he's got a point, you know, that's bad than that. But yeah. for so long Leeds haven't been anywhere. Like we've we've kept on like reaching up and just touching the back of like the top four, top six, if you want to call them that now, and then just slipping away. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have these full stone after full stone after full stone, and eventually that starts to chip away at your your um, your enthusiasm sometimes for Everton and your your. Your ability to maybe withstand like the issues that arise as football fans. Do you see what I mean? So then, yeah. when you don't start well, people just flip out. It's like, oh, not again! I've got to go through this again. Do you know what I mean?
1: Oh yeah, definitely. I mean, I think um, you couldn't. You, I think the last few months, you can sum Everton up, or, or <laughs> what it means to be an Evertonian. By the last, I mean going to go into a season thinking, oh, you know, new grounds coming, I mean spending loads of money, and great manager, and everything's going to be great. And then in the space of what six weeks, thinking, "Ah, oh, we're fucked, and we're going down." <laughs> and if, that, that is, that is being to tell me. That's just crystallised experience. Oh. To, the kind of the, you know, to go from the heady highs to thinking everything is just gone and oh. you know bleak. And that's, I think, I think, I think, I think you're right. I think it's because we're always around. You know, with, with the exception of maybe the fifties. We've always been bumping around, and sometimes it comes off. Sometimes, like you know, like the '60s and the '80s, and bits of the '20s and '30s, we do come good. So we know we we know we can do it, and we know what it feels like to do it. And we're always we always feel like we're in touching distance. That just a bit more, a bit more money, or a different this, different that, we'll be back amongst them. I think if we were like you know a club who we won nothing ever, you'd sort of accept it. But we're kind of The hope's always there. And that, it's uh, yeah. and then it's always it's often crushed. It's always, I yeah, know. I think that's, and... that's the frustrating thing that we kind of, um, you know, we are unlucky as well. We do have like sides destroyed by like world wars and you know European. I mean, you know, to have two title-winning sides broken apart by world wars. No clubs ever had that. <laughs> I mean, another one broken apart by a European. That's unbelievable. The three The three. I mean, you know three of our greatest sides ever have been ruined through no fault of our
0: own. Yeah. And, you
1: No, know, no club has that level of misfortune. And um, so Jim, it's, Jim, I a...
0: didn't, I didn't know about. I'd heard things about the Second World War. We had a really good side before. I didn't know we had a really good side before the First World War. So that is, yeah. It just see this is all built. Even though I wasn't aware of that, that's built into my Everton yeah. supporting psyche. It's just passed yeah. down. My granddad knew about that my dad probably may have done, and I know about it now. Do you see what I mean? So like, all this is just passed on in the DNA of Everton. Yeah,
1: I think it's summed up in like, when people go out to big 11, that's kind yeah. of, you, you, that's summed up where, where you're thinking, yeah, everything's just gone shit, and it's not our fault, and <laughs> just, you waiting, you know, you're waiting. a little part of me was waiting for this, like this season, I look kind of, you know, when the, we were all happy, yeah. and then you, look at, you look at the, um, the fixture list, and you think, well, that, 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 that doesn't look good, and then you're thinking, when, when does Europa kick in? Well, that's not good either. You're thinking, I, you know, you could see a situation where we end up in the bottom three by uh, November, and, you know, it's it's happening. And you think, you know, that, I think your, your program a polluted to, even even when you've got, even when you feel filled with hope, a little part of your brain saying, hang on a minute, this could all go to shit, that quickly, and um, it has. Yeah, you're right.
0: Uh, you you're right. But uh, yeah, final question, uh, Jim. What what was what was your what was your greatest game? What's been your favorite game? Would you say you know if you were you were writing a Jim's book of greatest games and it was just your interpretation of of Evan?
1: Um, I think for me, it's um, the Joe Royal Derby um, in. I think it was it was in '94 when um, he he took charge. I think that was. Um, I know Wimbledon was. You uh, know, emotionally compelling, but it was just it was it was exhausting as well. I think at the end of it, I just felt a bit ill. Um, whereas the Joe Royal Derby, um, we were uh, we were bottom of the league and um, written off completely, and Liverpool were fantastic, and um, and then he, then he came in, and it was just a, a shock. I think I've gone to you you often go to Derby's thinking we're going to get turned over and I've gone to that thinking especially because you know Everton under Walker was just unmitigatingly shit and um, it was such a surprise to see um, a different Everton turn up and to just um, snuff Liverpool out so comprehensively I think the the, the, the level of joy I felt at that final whistle I've never come close to that before or after it was just a um, just a, a wonderful uh, night um, and and you know not 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 a great game of football to watch necessarily, but just for the kind of passion and the emotion and what it meant to the fans at that point in time, because it kind of it gave us hope that we weren't going down. If It looked like Royal knew what he was doing, mm. and it, that proved to be the case uh, after that. And I think it was I mean it's arguably one of the most important games Everton have ever played because if we'd lost that. And Royal hadn't had a bit of boost in confidence and gone on a run. We 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 would have dropped, I think, that season. And um, and we would won have won the cup. And I think um, it was just a yeah, it was just an absolutely magical night as well. It was just mm. fantastic. See, I was I was thinking
0: before you know when we were organ, organizing about doing this thing. What what's my favourite game and the I've got fantastic memories of the Karamachi Derby the two now, yeah which was which was great but again very early memories for me I don't think I've ever been so ecstatic as, as the um the FA Cup semi which is quite depressing on reflection but I think that's <laughs> yeah. probably my highlight but it is yeah, if but, I'm being honest it's nice
1: though isn't it but it's, at least it's a nice thing at least, of course. At, least, at, least at least your happiest memory was ever achieving something whereas it's like mine is, is, is kind of escaping. Yeah. So at least, at least you've got like a positive memory. I know, way.
0: but an, an, op, an obscure one um, which came back to me which was which probably doesn't, I mean, there'll be a few other turnings out there that'll go, I remember that, but uh, it was more down to the whole kind of uh, the situation I was in at the time. I was living in, I, li- I lived in London uh, when I was about 19, this was, Um <sighs> And uh, I was low on money. I didn't have a lot of cash, and I was, you know, d- things weren't really going as I planned moving down there. You know, what it can be like, and you know, in a place like yeah. London, anyway. And uh, Everton had West Ham, and it was a, um, it was a Saturday night game. And my mate said, "I'll come down." He, he's not even an Everton fan. He's a Stoke fan. He said, "I'll come down," and and, I, and I'd I'd managed to get, you know, two tickets free away. And he said, "I'll come with you," and you know, we'll get on it and stuff, and we'll go over there. And we were one 0 down, and then Louis Saha scored twice. And James Vaughan, I think, got the third. And I think we won 3-1. But the goals, it was like three and eight minutes or something. People will correct me if I'm wrong about maybe the final goal scorer there. Definitely Sahar scored tight. But that and, you know, just like being in that little, that little away end at Upton Park, yeah. it's a great stadium, similar to Goodison in that respect, and having them all giving us dog's abuse above, and then, just like, <laughs> you know, the relief, and, and that, that you know, that'd probably go down as one of my greatest games, and that's just a league match against West Ham, but, but yeah, yeah, I think it's the whole kind of, what you know, the situation you were in, what other things were happening in your life at that time, you know, and...
1: So much of it is, I mean, so much of it is personal. I think I I, I took my son to the game against Fulham towards I think the end of uh, Martinez's first season, and because it was his first game, I just I kind of saw everything through his eyes. I I, I write about it in the book, and it was a magical magical experience for me, and you know, a wonderful um, kind of uh, afternoon out. Mm-hmm. Like, but it's not. It wasn't a great game. It was like a three one win, I and mean, it was you know, it's it's Fulham, so there's no atmosphere at all, mm. and. Um, but yeah, but because of my personal situation, I look back on that extremely fondly. So a lot, a lot of what when you when, when you say something's a great game, a lot of it is just how you feel at the time. I mm. think there are certain games like Bayern and um, yeah, and of course, yeah, It's just it's a given and they've got to be in there. But a lot of the time, it's you know when you if you if you were asked to most of the pundits to give you even the maybe top thirty games, you, I doubt you get you get a consensus. I think so much of it is. Shaped by your personal experience and and how long you for the club and what you regard um, Evan capable of as well. I think that's that you know greatness is is really hard to define. Mm.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, Jim. It's been uh, it's been great speaking to you again. mate. always enjoy our conversations. Where can people buy the book?
1: You can get it. Uh, it's in a uh, Waterstones in town and it's on Amazon as well.
0: Okay, cool, great. And uh, following you on social media
1: it, it, at Jimmy Keogh.
0: Jimmy Keogh, yeah, give Jim a follow and, and, and buy his, his book, it'll make a fantastic Christmas present, Jim thank you for coming back on the Grand Old Team podcast, well in fact you've not been on the Grand Old Team podcast before, you've been on Grand Old Team TV, but it's the first time on the podcast, thank you, much appreciated um, guys, if you haven't yet please subscribe to us on iTunes or um, if you use Android, we're on all the Podbean and all the kind of Android applications, and um, get over to the the site and check out some of the articles that are on there at the moment, Jim writes on there some some really good articles on there about Everton, I was I was at a, a night, uh, Jim, on um, on Friday interviewing Nev Southall, and a few people came up to me and said how much they enjoyed the content that's you know the stuff that's written on on the Grand Old yeah. Team site. So that's always good to know, and obviously there's a forum on there as well. So thanks for listening to the Grand Old Team podcast, Jim. Thanks for coming on again. See you next time. It's enough to make your heart go